This week, we have a fun and very relevant topic um, to discuss that we, as caregivers, deal with every day on the job. We are going to talk about nutrition, and in order to do that, I have a nanny friend here, Michelle. Welcome to the party, Michelle. Hi, thank you for having (laughs) me, and again, I will reiterate, thank you for this platform. Thank you for this space. Thank you for your heart to open this this up to um, us as people and us to relate to one another uh, where we likely weren't before, at least for my case was not, you know, besides when I found this on, you know, this social space that can become so real. And I appreciate you uh, doing that for us and following your heart to open this up and and for having such a great space to do it. Like this is, you've done well and thank you. Thank you so much. You're I welcome. love this community so much. I have had a blast um, getting to know so many of y'all. Um, I always tell people I'm an introvert. No one wants to believe me. Uh, <laughs> but it has really been great getting to know what gems we have in this community. And um, I'm really excited to talk to you today because food and nutrition have been um challenging points for me throughout my career um just learning unlearning some of my childhood beliefs um and habits and then learning how to you know talk with families and communicate with them on how to best um feed their littles so to start the conversation let us know what came first child care or nutrition for you professionally um i think they, I, if I remember back, they were kind of inter, very much intertwined. So personally, nutrition, while I was working in a child care, a care center, personally, nutrition became a topic for me and an issue for me. Uh, my health essentially became an issue for me at a young age. Um, and tie, you know, we're eventually tied that and let's talk about like in more detail later, like to my nutrition I was working in a daycare um, where I was a supervisor. And I, so part of that role was me being in charge of the food order. Well, which opened my eyes to something I had never considered. And even then didn't fully realize what I was in the midst of. Now you are limited very much by I I mean, for most centers, I guess I can't speak for all, but ours specifically were government funded, right? So the food is essentially like you're you're buying, you're ordering food in mass 
with a certain amount of money by calories. These calories don't have, they're not specified or, you know what I mean? The, you know, it's, so how do you buy a lot of calories to feed children with a budget? Well, we've all seen daycare food, right? Okay. So you are limited to that essentially. So I, I had started to notice like, wow, like there, there, there is like, there, there is a rare occasion when these, these children were being fed well, you know what I mean? As, as, you know, as by adults who loved and cared for them, you know what I mean? Like, and their whole day was spent getting, you know, what, what it, it just wasn't good food. It just wasn't good food. And, and like I said, even back then, I didn't realize the scale of what I was noticing, but I had started to notice, you know, and because of illness and because of um, becoming sick in my own body, like what food was capable of. And I, and at this point I'll put food in air quotes because what I was eating was capable of, you know, what, you know, and so then, and then seeing that by and large being served to hundreds of kids on a daily basis, you know, these growing bodies, these, these maturing brains, these, you know, just this, this poor ecosystem that was not being nurtured, you know, but with good intention, right. With a budget, you know? And so that was when I first began, that was when, the idea of how children were being fed got like the, the kind of the light was shined on it. And I was like, Oh, you know, this is so perf- I would say, honestly, they intertwined at about the same time. So how long did you work in daycare systems? And at what point did you transition out of that into different forms of childcare? Good question. So I worked, um, I worked at the daycare for probably about four years. And now it was through that. So, okay, I guess the daycare was in the church, in a church that I also went to. And so a family from the church asked me to nanny for them. So it was like through that kind of ecosystem, that that community that I had, then I became a nanny, you know, and that was, um, was a lovely transition. You know, it was like, it was like, okay, like this was a great family, you know, to this day we're very close. And, you know, so it was like, that was a great transition. And that was also a unique situation because that, that was a child. One of the children had um, severe allergies, food allergies. So that was like, okay, like day one, it was like all his foods in this refrigerator. This is the stove that you can cook. And it was like, you know, and so that was like a initiation into like, okay, like food matters, you know, it was like, it was this theme that, that presented itself over and over and over again. You know what I mean? And so I would, I would make this meal for the girl and then this meal for the boy, you know what I mean? Literally in a life or death situation, you know what I mean? Which is rare, you know, but that was like another, it was just another kind of step on that ladder of how much food impacts, you know, these people and, you know, and who's in charge of feeding them is very much impacting these young people. So that was when I transitioned into being a nanny. Now, to be fair, it was through that I was also working um, part time at a gym, and I was and uh, so I guess we could rewind. And I had been an athlete my whole life, and then I began I became a trainer. And I was going to school for early childhood education, and then in the midst of that, I switched to fitness and sports management. So a lot of that stuff. So when I was in the daycare system and working and ordering that food, that was when I was in school because there were funds and grants back then where you could go to school for these early childhood. Uh, careers in these early childhood degrees and these uh, funds and grants would pay for it as long as you kept your job for another year, you know, it was great. I went through that program and I went through that system. And then it was while I was still in it, attending the college, I was like, 
gosh, you know, like I was working part-time at this gym and I thought I'm really into this fitness thing, you know, and I, you know, it was like, okay. So then I was like, just getting more into that. And then they had a program fitness and sports management. And I'm like, okay, you know, well, I, and I remember thinking, gosh, I want to open a gym and, you know, and I thought I got, I got, I can't, I don't have any like professional gym experience. I got muscle phone. You know what I mean? Like who's going to give me the money to open a gym. And so I remember thinking, well, while I'm still here, I'll check out this program. And I went through that program and ended up graduating with that program. And, uh, and then it was through that, that it was like seeing that like early childhood education, early childhood development, like piece of the, like education piece kind of intertwined with that fitness and sports management, which is a lot of, you know, you're learning about the body, you're learning about the, the physics and you're learning about the biology and you're learning about nutrition. You have those pieces in those courses. And that was like, to me, it, one was never not the other. Right. So it was like, these are, these are essentially teaching you how to feed adults. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like these young people, like why, why, why do we overlook that? Like for the sake of a budget and calories and subsidies, you know? And so that was, so to me, I would say personally and professionally, the the areas kind of, they overlapped for me pretty quickly. Yeah. It's, I find it to be an interesting topic within private childcare, like nanny Mm -hmm. life, because families typically, if they can afford a nanny, they can afford to be picky with what they feed their children. Um, And so you don't have those same sorts of limitations, like when you're on a government budget and you just got to get enough calories in children um, to meet a quota, but it doesn't matter what sort of calories they are, where they're coming from necessarily, whereas families can be more choosy. And it's always interesting to see how families choose nutrition for their kids. Um, And so I just, I always find that interesting because I typically follow a parent's lead when it comes to feeding their children. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wonder if that would be how you would approach the situation. Like if you were hired as a nanny tomorrow for a family in your interview, would you be discussing what you think is a good idea of nutrition or how, how do you navigate that? I love this question because I have been with the family I'm with now for six and a half years um, professionally, right? Yeah. Me too. Uh-huh. And so, <laughs> but what, um, so I had, I, and I, long story short, I opened my gym. It was great. But then when it was time to kind of get out of that world, this is when I, I went, I went to school, I went to classes to become a postpartum doula. So that was my, that was my new, like, this was, you know, in 2016 and this was my new, that was my new direction. You know, that was what I was excited to do. I had been kind of in that world a little bit with my sister having kids and, um, I, one of my first clients, my first, like this woman had just had her second baby and she just wanted some after, you know, some part-time postpartum doula help. And that was where it started. And that baby is six and a half years old and we live in a different state now we've moved, you know what I mean? So it's so, but I, you know, food, food and nutrients and health have been so just they've been a huge important part of my adult life because of the early, like my early twenties, I was very sick and that just spiraled me into a different, completely different path of life. I led with that. I didn't know any better. Like I, like to me, like having these conversations about health and wellness and food and longevity and thriving, you know what I mean? That that's the language I speak. So when I started, she had a a daughter that was two and then uh, the baby, you know, and it was like, so when it came to me, 
preparing meals for the two-year-old, like, you know, I had like, I, like there was, no, I, I, ha- I had to make sure this baby was being, you know what I mean? And they, you know, like, and she, and she just, she had no problems with me, like, you know, like it, it was, it was very important to me that, that this baby was fed well, you know what I mean? That the two-year-old, you know, obviously she was nursing her, her baby, but, um, and so that was like that. And that began, that was like, I, so I think that if I were to start tomorrow and so like it, because I, I feel so strongly about it that like, it would be very difficult for me to work in an environment where, um, feeding kids well was not a priority. Right. So like I would have a hard time consistently going to a drive-through or consistently heating up a TV dinner or, you know what I mean? Like having candy everywhere. You know what I mean? Those things like I, I, I wouldn't, I almost wouldn't be able to work. You know I mean? We wouldn't be a good fit. Right. We'd be, we, we, so in, in knowing now, like, okay, like you can have, you know, you knowing I can set boundaries in my workspace and knowing I can, you know, have clients that, that we work well together and mesh well together. It, I would say that it would, it would definitely come up in the first, um, first, uh, interview. And now also, but it's also something that at this stage, like I, I am supportive through. So if it's something you are open to, if it's some, you know what I mean? Like if it's something, if feeding your kids well and learning how to feed your kids well and, and doing those things are something that you would be responsive to, I can be supportive. Parents and children are not set up to win against this food marketing campaign. Without somebody, I think an outsider almost, like trying to dissect that for you, it's so difficult to overlook. The food that is available and at eye level and, and appealing to the young crowd is is literally dangerous. You know what I mean? And now when you see, you you become aware. Like you're just not aware and you're like, Oh no, like I, I need, I need support in this area. I need, you know, somebody that, you know, or we've adopted these values and we want somebody in our house with our kids. Who's also leading by example. So I see both, I see both, um, areas, like a family that is like, okay, like we know we don't want this, but like, what do we want? You know, how do we get this other thing, you know, or, Hey, this is a thing that we do in our family and we just want a caregiver to support this. My goal is that awareness can be brought, you know, like, and we can talk about this later, but I do have a program and it's geared towards families, caregivers, and communities and, and, and their sections each look different. Like geared towards families is like a supportive um, person that is, you know, it's me, but it's, you know, to be there to answer questions ride the wave, you know, sometimes it's not easy to help kids, whether they're trying to, you know, greatly reduce or eliminate processed food from their diet, or whether they're trying to, you know, I mean, and they don't know what that looks like, or they want help, they've, they've had a, they've had a situation, they've had a diagnosis, they've had a, they've had an awakening, they have, they in their own bodies have felt a, a certain thing that they don't want to pass on to their kids with these habits, you know what I mean? Like, and they, and so, so I can be a supportive person. And so that's the families now with caregivers. It's like, how can we support these families? A, whether they know, whether they are aware and conscious to these, you know, this, this, like I said, this onslaught of toxic soup that is just spilled out all over our kids every day in the, in the name of food. How can we, how can we support that? Or, or, um, you know, how can, how can I as a caregiver learn 
what this looks like while these kids are in my care so that I'm not making those mistakes. You know what I mean? So that I'm not contributing to something negative for their body, for their brain, for their day. You know what I mean? For their digestion, for their sleep that night. How, how can I as a caregiver not contribute to that? And what does it look like to do something different, right? So there's the community or for there's the caregiver part. So then the community part is how can we advocate for these kids? Because it's not just at home and it's not just with caregivers. It's every gymnastics, soccer game. It's everywhere they go. It's, it's, it's school when they get the, the answer right. It's, it's a piece of candy. It's a treat. It's a thing. You know what I mean? And, and it seems so innocent and it couldn't be any further from that. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I'm not, I'm not, and I don't, I don't advocate for restriction and I don't say that like, oh, these kids can never have these things, but it's like, when it's like, oh, it's a treat, but like, are we getting a treat three or four times a day? Are we getting you know, like, oh, we just have a, you know, a snack when we go to the movie. Well, are we going to the movie three times a week? You know what I mean? Like, what, what is that now? If, cause if we are really honest, what does that look like? You know, is it a treat? Is it, you know, treats are, you know, whether they're holidays, birthdays, you know, celebrations, you know what I mean? Things like that. Or is it just like, oh, well, we just walk by and grab six or seven M&Ms every time we leave the door. I mean, what, it, what, you know, let's, let's be honest, you know what I mean? And, and how can, so, so it's, so the family part is being a supportive person and in that change for families that are like, okay, we've had enough. Then there's the caregiver part. You know, my goal is that caregivers can understand how we contribute. Right. And then as a community, how do we advocate for these kids in spaces where they don't have a voice? They just show up to the lunchroom. What's there likely was purchased on a budget with an allotted amount of calories per, per kid, you know, rarely done by macros, right? Rarely done by how much are we offering of fats, carbs, and proteins, you know, nutrients, micronutrients, you know, like what the vitamins that we can get from food or not, you know what I mean? So like a lot of that is not being taken into consideration when our kids are being fed and the side effects of that are, are just rearing their ugly heads more and more and earlier and earlier in, in the lifespan of a human. And so, yeah. So I, cause I was going to ask, cause as caregivers, we do typically, um, follow the lead of the families that we're supporting. Um, and not all of us go into it with an, a good idea of what we believe is fed well, um, necessarily. So, you know, there are a few caregivers like yourself who specialize in nutrition, who have studied it, who have really broken it down and who have had that experience for themselves and, and you know, healing their bodies and things like that. But most of us, <laughs> don't necessarily have that knowledge. And many of us grew up, especially here in America, eating the standard American diet and believing that, you know, when they say you need to have this much milk, that that makes sense or, you know, things like that. So I wonder first, um, if there is a specific line between a parent exercising their right to choose for their child versus being harmful and then second, what do you consider being fed well for, I would say, when children first start eating to about five, six years old? Because I think the majority of us work with children in that zone. Yes. Um, to elaborate on your point, first of all, like, you know, the, the different areas of like caregiver knowledge and caregiver experience. I also want to say that it's, it's one thing that like, it really is a great picture of humanity that caregivers have so many different, like we are, you know, we have our things and then we bring that to work, right? Like I've got, 
I've got what my dear nanny friend, shout out to Abby, who is like a brilliant painter, an artist, you know what I mean? And she like, so those kids get that, you know what I mean? Like we, we have our things, we are human, we've grown up, we do our stuff, we have our passions and our joys, and then we bring that to work. And that is, it's, 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 it's the celebration of the nuance of a caregiver, right? So like, because this has been my world and this is what I got to bring, you know what I mean? Like, you know, this is, this is where the, this is just the funnel that I took. Right. So, so I do want to celebrate the fact that like everybody brings something different. So, and that, that we all have something to share too, because as, as a caregiver community, we, we share these things, you know what I mean? Like I, I can't draw stick people, but Abby can, can take a paintbrush and, and create a new world for her nanny kids and for mine when we go over. And it's a great thing. You know what I mean? And then I can cut up the apples and scoop the peanut butter, you know, like we, you know, it's, it, it, we work well. So it is, it is, it is a celebration also of the nuance of caregivers that, that you can even point out that, that we do have our things and we do bring these things. So, but to answer your question about what do I consider being fed well, first of all, taking a conscious approach to like, what is, what are they eating? Right. So like, it, cause if you feed them something every day that you believe is fed well, and they don't eat it. Well, now that's, they're hungry. Right. So like, I would say that I would, to break it down into just basics would be like something nutrient dense, right? So in the morning you want breakfast has been kind of materialized in the, in America is just like, it's, it's really dessert, right? Pop tarts, cinnamon rolls, donuts, you know, cereal, you know what I mean? It's like, so we start off with dessert, you know what I mean? And I, I'm all for a once in a blue moon celebration where we eat dessert before dinner, you know what I mean? But like to start the day every morning with dessert, you know, even as, even as adults, as human beings, right. We just spike our glycemic level. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we end up crashing, you know, that is the same thing that happens to a kid. That's why, that's why a universal snack time is nine or 10 o'clock. You know what I mean? Depending on what time we took that big surge, you know what I mean? So, but, but thinking in terms of like, I want to say like macronutrients, but I don't even want to, like, you don't, we don't have to use that like specific, but thinking things like, like eggs, avocados, like, you know, when you want to get specific, like, or, or pancakes that have like, you know, some eggs in them, like some butter, some, something fattening, something full fat, you know, fat's brain food. Right. So if we can, if we kind of re reframe this idea that like, you know, we, I, you know, some people have grown up and fat's bad and salt's bad and all these things, you know what I mean? Like, and just, and what's, you know, I don't like to call things bad and I, and I'll get to later, especially about using certain words around kids with foods, but, um, making sure that what we have like fills them up and gives them, gives, adds value. Right. So like, so because the cereal and the donut and the cake and the pop tart and the bar, it, it didn't fill them up. You know what I mean? It, and it did not bring nutrients to their body. You know, some things I like in the morning to call focus foods, right? So those things that like where we do, if we do go off to school, if they're the older kids, like they can go to school and they can focus, right? And they can, you know, they have brain power, right? So we think about brain foods when we think of things that are like fattening, we think of proteins, we think of things that are like something that's, I just boil it down to being nutrient dense, right? And so a lot of times those things don't have labels, right? So it's a good thing to consider like, oh, how am I going to read the label? Well, a lot of times those things, they won't even have one. So, so you just, um, it's the meats, it's the, the, the avocados, it's the butter, it's the things that like give you something. It's like a, it's like a dense food, right? That fills you up for the day. And that is going to look different for age groups, right? So you might have kids who like carrots and hummus, but you might have the baby who can't bite the carrot steam it, you know, like and being able to like, understand that like this, there's also a biological function to how these kids eat. So like having the ability, whether it's like, and now it's a baby who's just now eating solid foods and that looks different for everybody. Cause a lot of people are going to be on the baby led weaning training. Great. And a lot of kids don't necessarily have that swallow function. 
be mindful. You know what I mean? So, but making sure that I would just say it, what it boils down to is being nutrient dense. And what you can kind of think of is like, it's rarely opened and handed over, right? It does some preparation, some preparation is involved, but not always. Maybe it is just maybe, you know, the packets these days, you can get packets. And I would say when you're, it's not that like no packages and no things are ever, ever allowed, but I'm just saying like, be mindful because there's 16 different applesauce packets. Try to get the one without the high fructose corn syrup, right? If you're in charge of shopping. And I know nannies, a lot of days now we do the, we do the grocery shopping or the grocery order. You know what I mean? So a lot of it just takes a little, a little, like an elevated level of consciousness to say like, okay, like this might be the brand I remember as a kid, this might be the most popular brand, but like these might not be the best ingredients. How about this one? You know? Because we all know that sometimes the kids just want something very bland, something very easy, something soft, and you know what I mean? Something familiar, right? But how, how can we help them cultivate a palate that doesn't send them down a road of just poor choices? You know what I mean? Because eventually they are making their own choices and they do go to that lunchroom and they do take their tray across the thing. And how do we get them to notice what's good? And how do we get them to listen to their body and say like, oh, you know, I, I, I felt great when I ate that, or I didn't feel so good when I eat that. You know what I mean? So like how we get them to make the, the choice when it's out of our control. But I, I would just say like whole, like real whole food, right? And just, and it's, and when they're, when they're kids, something that's like their biological function can manage, right? Whether that's chewing, picking up, cutting it in small pieces, you know, just a little bit, just being mindful of the preparation. Food that gives us things, food that's not, that's not, yeah, removing. that's, I never really thought about it that way, about how, how much more work we put our bodies through when we choose the easy, the sugar, yeah. you know, the packaged. I never really thought about it that way. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, So let's talk about meal time <laughs> because this is, yes. uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> This is the challenge. So um, I feel pretty confident when I'm offering a meal, right? Um, I feel confident in what I have chosen, how I have plated it, how I'm presenting it. Um, And then we sit down. I have three nanny kids, six, four, and two. Uh, We sit down and each kid takes one bite of one thing and says, can I be excused? How do we approach... um, children rejecting food or, you know, choosing not to eat, how do we approach that in a way that is one fair to their autonomy, um, but also supporting this, you know, better palate that we want to develop in them? Because a lot of times I, I, I'll say my kids, I don't know about other people's nanny kids, but my kids see meal times as like, this is the food that we have to eat in order to get to the snack that is typically in between meal times uh-huh. um and so they they still end up mostly eating bars so how do we what are some healthy habits i guess to approach when using meal time should we be having a minimum amount of time that we sit at the table should there be a certain ambiance like tv no tv music no music how do how should we try to uh, approach meal times that's a good question. And I'll, I'll throw out a few tips and ideas. And I'll also say that some of these aren't, you know, because like you said, two, four, and six, mm-hmm. they have nothing in common, right? right? What they like, how they eat it, how, how long they're able to sit. Right. So that becomes, you know what I mean? Like, and so the, so that alone is just, you know, an individual challenge, but I will say 
so there's this idea like, oh, keep it like, you know, keep something on their plate that, you know, they like. So whether that's whether that's the cheese stick, whether that is the turkey slices, the cucumbers, one one loves cucumbers, one would need a cucumber if their life depended, you know, whatever it is like. But make sure that they're experiencing that, that they see it. And I've, I've even heard and this is, you know, it sounds excessive, but like offer a kid something 100 times. You know what I mean? Like because some days I mean, I've heard kids be like, oh, I don't like that. And then, you know, what I mean, like and then the next day it might look a little different. There might be salt on it. There might it might be paired with something different and they eat the whole thing and they didn't even consider it. You know what I mean? But the day before it was like, you know, because a lot of times I would say, even for kids that their preferences are not, their, their preferences are very fluid. Right. So they like, it's one day it's like, you know, they, they weren't going to eat this and that can depend on the mood they had, the interaction they had at school, uh, just how they're feeling that day. You know what I mean? So, but keeping something on their plate that like a is, you know, it meets the qualities is nutrient dense, but B that, you know, they like, right. So that, something is going to go down the hatch, right? Because, you know, a hungry kid, when you're on to the next activity and, you know, it's difficult saying like, well, you know, you don't have to eat anymore, but I'd like you to stay with us, you know what I mean? For another X, Y, Z minutes or until such and so-and-so is done, you know what I mean? Like, so that, so it can be seen as a time of like togetherness, right? So like meal times, they are more than just the ingestion of food and the moving on, right? They are a time of togetherness, a time of, community right where the four of you in your case sit down and with dreams of you know communication and storytelling and and you know nutrient dense food having something that they will look forward to and that they will spend time eating is important i would say like sometimes it's the preparation and it's the deliverance and it's the like the how the food is on the plate because if they see something and it's too big to bite and it's a little unmanageable like it's over. Like they don't have, they're not going to struggle to eat that food. They're not going to struggle physically. You know what I mean? Physiologically to like try and make that thing happen. They're just going to overlook it and lunch is going to be done. It is tough. I guess I don't have like a great answer, but I would just say like, as long as we know that there's something nutrient dense that they will eat on that plate and it might, and and they might, you know, maybe, you know, that like one's going to eat six slices of cucumbers and one's going to see two or three and not even, and, and be mad about it. You know, give them one, give them two, let them see it. Let them make the choice, you know what I mean? But like, I love the idea of snacks that are more nutrient dense, right? Because we've all seen the kid just completely ignore the plate and go straight to the pantry. And I'm like, no, because if you have room for that in your belly, you have room for all this, you know? There's so many different things that food offer to the human brain that are more than just feeding the belly, right? Having snacks available and accessible that they're more, they serve more of a purpose. Okay, so let's get, let's, let's get this apple because it's hot out or this watermelon, because it's hot out, this is going to be hydrating, right? This is going to have fiber, you know, thinking of even snacks is something that does more than just past time. And, and at the end of the day, all that stuff packs too, right? You can put those things in those clip boxes and put those things in the lunchbox and take that to the park and we can open up our snack and it's all good for you. That's, I was going to say that because summer is my favorite season to nanny for a million different reasons. But the biggest thing being eating in the wild is so much more successful for me with my kiddos than eating at home Mm -hmm. because what I have packed is what I have packed and we are outside we are hot we are sweaty we are tired and that watermelon those oranges those apple slices that peanut butter really look way better in that scenario than they would if you're at home and the whole pantry's there with all the other options so I just wanted to say I like that you pointed out that those things can be packed and can be on the go because even I, as an adult, I eat much better in the summertime just because I'm 
I'm more in tune with what my body needs in terms of hydration and nutrients because it is, I'm in Atlanta. It is hot out here. Yes. <laughs> I'm in Tennessee and Nashville and it is so hot mm-hmm. here. And I have suffered as an adult dehydration twice being here as someone who's conscious, as someone who drinks her electrolytes, like it will sneak up on you. You just sweat 24 seven. Like there's no way around it. And if you're not, and we're not the only ones, right? So the kids are hot. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, and it's just like, it's, it's, so it's being my, mindful of those things. And it is, you know, and, and also during the summer is a good idea, especially for a mealtime, since we mentioned it, and I can go back to answering that question, like taking like picnics, you know, like maybe get the food outside because that just brings a whole nother element of just like to have more engagement. Cause there's, it's not just sitting at the same old table, you know what I mean? Staring at all my toys that I can't play with for five, 10 minutes. Cause I got to eat this food. You know what I mean? So like having having it like more of an event, like, Oh, let's, let's take our picnic outside. You know what I mean? It is a little bit more cleanup, but paper plates, smash them all together, bring a bag with it. You know what I mean? Like things like that. So that's also, I guess, a thing that during certain weathers, not when it gets too hot, but maybe that's a breakfast morning snack type mm-hmm. of meal. Cause you know, on the lunch, we're not going to sit out there and just melt <laughs> while we eat the food. But that's also another way, like in certain times of year when that can be an option to try and gain focus around meal times with people of so such varying ages you know what I mean that you all want to come together and collaborate on one thing for literally 10 minutes yeah how how can we you know it's it's like gosh but yeah we work so hard to get to that point in the day like lunch for me is like is like Wednesday it's like hump day and it's like if lunch goes well it's smooth sailing from there for sure (laughs) yes I remember one time uh, the grandma of the family I was with, she was like, well, if something starts at nine. And I was like, well, you realize that's first noon, like nine o'clock is like first noon. Like that is like, <laughs> that's, it's not late like, or, you know I mean? It's not early. Cause she hurt to her. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. I was going to be early. And I'm like, no, not to a kid. nine o'clock. It's first noon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They, they've been up and at them. So. Yeah. And then one more thing I wanted to ask or kind of get your, experience with is how we talk about nutrition to children with children because I've learned I've been at my job for six and a half years and a really interesting dynamic that we have is that my nanny family is one of those naturally thin naturally fit fit like they just have those genes and so the things that they eat are not necessarily, I mean, obviously they're affecting their body internally. We're not seeing it on the outside, right? Whereas I am a plus size nanny. I have been the whole time I've been with them. Um, But for the first five years, I was vegetarian. And so I would be the one bringing in the salads and, you know, having them for lunch or um, choosing eggs for breakfast instead of, you know, cereal or bagel or whatever. And my eldest nanny kid would always ask me like, okay, you you say these vegetables are healthy. (laughs) You're the one who eats them. And this is what your body does. Um, You say that, you know, the pizza or the candy or the snacks and treats that we enjoy that we don't really see you enjoying are bad for us, but this is what our bodies look like what does that mean for me? Because if that's what healthy food does, maybe I don't want the healthy food or, you know, maybe the bad, the food you're telling me that's bad is not that bad because look at us and look, you know, and so it's been 
really fun, um, honestly, having those conversations with them because we get to address the fact that not everyone's body is the same. We get to address the fact that just because your body looks a certain way doesn't make you healthy, doesn't make you fit, um, and and doesn't make you necessarily unhealthy, um, that people have, you know, other different things going on with them, um, and that external presentation is not our sole motivation for eating well. Um but it still gets confusing for them sometimes because they are so young. And for them, healthy means thin and fat means unhealthy. So I wonder, like, how can we best talk to kids about nutrition in a way that is not body centered, you know, external body centered, um, but that is also not just erroneous, like wrong, <laughs> you know, cause we talk about, yep. we talk about calories, we talk about nutrients and it just, I don't know. I don't know that they're getting it. So I just wonder your thoughts yes. on that. I love this question. And I also, because we know kids are well-intended yeah. and we know kids don't have, you the know, filters. bad intentions <laughs> yeah. or pure hearted. Yeah. Right. And they just, you know what I mean? And they, they draw straight lines, Mm -hmm. you know, they just draw straight lines. Mm -hmm. So his curiosity, his questions are just so like based in curiosity and they're just so like, well, this means this, and this means this, and this can't mean this, you know, because there's just, there's straight lines, there's pure logic and there's good intentions. Right. And so being able to see through that is just, and and it's, you know, they're always going to say their things that they say, you know, but I like this question because I, I have never, um, you know, food for me has never been like, appearance or body centered, right? So like, it's very much body centered, but not in a sense of like appearance, right? So like, um, so depending on like how old they are, and like when when you start the conversation, I like to talk in terms of like, and I don't, you know, I never want to say, you know, and I always caution this to say like, food is bad, or that's a bad choice, because kids don't separate their choices from their self, right? So that's a bad choice, then that might mean to them that they are a bad kid or that they do bad things or, you know what I mean? Like, so saying that something's bad or saying that the choice that, you know, but we can talk to them about, okay, so why'd you choose this? Okay. And then we ask them, well, because it looked good or because my friend drank it or because I saw this at school and that somebody in front of me took the last one and they've got curiosity surrounding a certain thing, right? So we see these emotional responses, right? So we see, we also see the digestive responses. We see the sleep nuance. We see these things that happen when these engineered products are being served to kids and how they respond. And so when we talk about food, like, you know, let's say the other day my kids are, or we're at the pool and I'm with the kids I nanny for and they want ice cream. Okay. Literally within a, a short, very noticeable, equatable amount of time, both of them, terrible stomach aches. And I'll say, well, do you remember why your tummy hurts right now? Or do you know why? Do you have an idea? Oh, that ice cream. They, they understand. We are talking about it in, in a way that like allows them to attach food to like brain response, food to their tummies, you know, but also because I will hear and I listen to both sides, people say like, oh, I let them decide or I let them decide, you know, when they're, you know what I mean? And it's like how much they want and how much they don't. But the problem with that, that idea is that the way that these products are made, these, what they literally, like what I call science projects, but are literally called engineered products, they, they don't allow for a personal decision. These products are made to be addictive. They're made to be overpalatable. They're made to be overconsumed. With with they, they, so much goes into 
what they call the mouthfeel and what they call the bliss points and how they're compared to different things like love, how they're compared to different things like substance, you know what I mean? How they're compared to different things that light up different centers of our brain. These are meticulously made. These things are going to capture you. There's no question, right? So saying like, I let them decide how it, well, it's not, it's not the same way that you, that you and that I and that grownups can't decide when to stop with these things. And we have what could be perceived as maybe a temporary willpower, right? Kids don't, they don't, they've not, that's a developed thing. And even most adults don't. And it's, it's a, it's a rare adult that has like just so much rigid willpower that they cannot overeat a bag of chips. Like, you know, like we grew up in the bet you can't eat just one arrow. They knew that like that bet was, that was the, the house won every time they, but they made it. So, you know I mean? And that doesn't just go for those potato chips. It goes for all of these things that have been, so meticulously engineered to be overpalatable, to be overconsumed, to be addictive in a sense, right? So like making sure that like, as I call the adults, the wisdom in the room, right? We're older, we've been there, we've seen it, we've done it, right? So like, as that, when we hold that place, that we are, we are giving these kids, because the truth of the matter is, you might overeat, a, a child, an adult might overeat, a bag of chips, they're not going to overeat avocados, right? It's just, there's just no, there's no two ways around it, right? They might overeat ice cream. They're not going to overeat a chicken breast, right? They're going to fill like that body. So food is information. When I think of food, I think of information, right? What is this telling your body? It's never neutral. It is sending a good signal to your body and good and good information throughout your body, or it's not, or it's sending something negative. There's also ways to encourage kids to eat is say like, oh, you know, comparing like this banana to the sunshine. You know, we talk in terms of colors. We talk in terms of this broccoli. Look at that. Just, just like, looks just like those trees or, you know what I mean? Like, you know, this, this avocado is going to help you study. You know, you've studied so hard for your spelling test. Let's get, let's get your focus food. Making sure that we do speak in terms of like how these foods relate to them, you know, things that they notice, things that there are, you know, the sunshine, the the trees, you know, things like that, like how this is going to help them positively, how this is going to, you know, give them, you know, a boost throughout the day or for, for whatever this next meal might be. So having those positive conversations, but also never in terms of like, and then, and then, and that's, and that's another thing. It's like, cause kids can start to read pretty early and they see things like skinny pop and calories. Calories are always just referred to as a source of energy, a unit of energy, right? So a calorie is just a unit of energy. So you get into those things and you say, oh, a calorie is just a unit of energy, right? So this, this bag of such and such or whatever gives you 100 units of energy. And then if they, if they have questions about, okay, well, you turn it over and say, here's where this energy comes from. We are making our best choices, right? As the wisdom in the room, as the person in charge of making the choices that we are doing our best to give you good experiences around food that impacts you positively. And I tell people all the time, like we buckle them in their seatbelts, right? We put their helmets on them. We gotta be putting good stuff. Like we, you know, we, you know what I mean? Like when you go through all of the steps to, to ensure safety and to ensure like, you know, just all positive impacts. And then we got, we can't let that stop at mealtime. We can't let that stop in the kitchen. We can't let that stop in the pantry, right? That has to be carried through. What changed for me to focusing on childhood nutrition was that I would see the parents of children who, you know, they, in their late twenties, early thirties, sometimes early forties, 
whether it was they just had a parent die prematurely, whether they got a diagnosis, whether they had just realized that their bodies were not thriving, that they weren't living the life they wanted to live, whatever brought them to the gym, their New Year's resolution, whatever it was, and I would be their trainer and I would walk them through nutrition plans. And every it, it didn't fail that like at least a couple times when they couldn't find a sitter or the other parent wasn't available, they they brought their child to them who sat up at the front of the gym eating their happy meal and their bag of gummy worms. And I just saw the disconnection. And I'm like, this person up here at the, the front of the gym, this young person will be in these shoes in 25 years because this habit is not being broken, right? So we've got this person, this grown up who's like, I got to change. I'm not, for whatever reason under the sun that I, I just listed or another one, something has to change. But nothing was changing up here. And now this person's going to have the same, if not a worse experience be in their 20s, 30s, and start to realize that they need to change. And we are a generation, you know, of detox, of everything, like, because we didn't learn right. We, our parents loved us, but we are a generation that was fed processed food. We're the beginning of it. We are the test, we are the test dummies for processed food. This is the generation that grew up, you know, our parents might have had it, but it wasn't by and large the way we did. And we did because now our parents could both go to work, right? And then we everybody, you know, what I mean, we could grab dinner on the way home and we could heat up dinner when we got home, you know what I mean? And so we in that but but that also comes with the research that they didn't have. There's research now that says like our bodies are slipping into an early decrepitude long before they were in the past, right? Or that, you know, this, statistically, this next generation, the ones that we are, have our hand in preparing for the world will not live a life, will live a shorter life than their parents, right? There's, it's just, and it's, and, and that's the stuff that's, that's scary, but that's the stuff that we also don't have to be a part of, right? So we can, we can use that information and we can say, I don't want to be a part of that. Like, I want to see you thrive. I don't want you being the next generation of detox. It's a lot about having them, you know, eat good today and feel good today. But like, it's these habits that they're developing. It's that palate that they're cultivating. It's that ability to like, not just be so, I only eat this and I'm not eating anything else. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and having a part in like viewing food as something that's very important in order so that like, as they grow and as they mature, that their bodies are also thriving long into their adulthood, long after we are out of the picture, because that, that happens when you develop good habits, right? So that at 25, 30, 40, you don't have to spend the rest of your life fixing all these mistakes that you made, right? Or, you know, that, that were kind of made for you in a sense, you know, we're not, these kids aren't feeding themselves, you know, you can say like, you know, Hey guys, I, like I said, like, I, not that, Hey, I'm taking away all of these things that you desire, but Hey, I made this fruit platter or, Hey, I've got all these, like this charcuterie meats and cheeses, you know, like the things that like something that adds value to their life, you know, instead of just being like, no, not that today, but Hey, guess what I did today, you know, and changing, changing the narrative just, just a little bit so that it becomes something that they want to participate in, something that they enjoy, something that they don't feel like they're being restricted from, but also something that's building positive, good habits and building a positive outlook. We have to eat and it has such a big impact on our health throughout our lives. But getting a handle on it and having good examples and having good you know, role models in that while we're young makes a huge difference. So this, ooh, this has been so 
meaty, for lack of a better word. I think I think we could talk about nutrition forever just because there's so much more nuance um, to raising children in this day and age in general. I think it is worth mentioning that um, it has society has made it difficult, right, for us to feed our children well from the way that they raise the food and grow the food to the fact that, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, you typically had one parent working and one parent at home um, who had the time to meal prep and plan and grocery shop and, and, and cook, you know, most days. And now you have parents who are racing against the clock um, who are maybe not as not motivated by the right things when it comes to their nutrition, who are maybe more motivated by outward appearance, which is why they may not see that disconnect when they have the chicken and broccoli and the kid has um, a happy meal. Um, but it definitely is worth us, you know, putting some more intentionality and effort behind because, like you said, um, this this next generation is is on track to uh, live a shorter life you know, as a result of the the, the food um, that they're eating. So I, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and, and sort of, I guess, start the conversation here. It feels like we're going to need to talk about this further <laughs> in the future. And I absolutely want to give you a second to share where people can find you um, and what sorts of resources you offer. I know you talked about your programs a little bit earlier, but I just want to refresh that again before we wrap this up. And I'm, of course, as always, going to put all those links in the show notes for everyone to be able to find you. Yes, thank you. So I um, I do have like a curriculum and a three-month coaching program, which is essentially for parents, right? So that's, it's me being supportive. It's me introducing the change. My program's called The Organic Nanny, and it's a three-month, I'll, I'll explain that a little bit, but only to say that there's another piece of it that is more geared towards caregivers. Um, so that is a three-month program that, you know, I offer. It's like, it's my curriculum that I wrote and had developed. Um, I have a health education degree, so like my curriculum that I had um, wrote and that I had written, that I written, that I wrote and had developed, um, that I'm very proud of. You know, we've got logs and inventories and schedules and things that just what, you know, it's, it's, it's a very like in-depth, it's a three month process of you, like of a family, what I call like greatly reducing or eliminating processed food in their kids' lives for whatever reason that brought them to me. They will also open up a, a whole new world of reasoning and, 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 and an appreciation for, for what a, a new, a nutrient dense and whole food way of eating can do for their kids. I never intend, and I have never any intention. And there's no, no, I never want to insist like, or, or even say that I would put a kid on a diet. That's not what I'm doing. Right. But like removing some of those things that are not benefiting them, right. Is in replacing them with things that are just going to do nothing but good for them. So that's, that's the parent portion. So I do have, and I will offer, and it'll be on July 15th, which is a Saturday um, at 4 PM. So hopefully, and I'll offer it to this, uh, so it's, it's, it's going to be a two hour webinar, but it's in, in, for $99, but for, for the people listening and for the people from your platform, we'll, I'll just do it for 79, like just DM me and write a nanny's life, um, with that thing. And then I'll send you, uh, a link, right. And then we will have, it, it, it'll be a live webinar for me. So it'll be some of my slides. It'll be some of the more like kind of getting into the weed stuff, like, so that 
we know how to support parents, right? And that we know how to support kids and that we know how to be a positive influence, right? So, cause it might be like, oh my gosh, I go to these people's house and like, all they want to do is feed their kids, you know, beef sticks and vegetables. And like, I don't even, you know I mean? I'm bringing my, t- you know I mean? It's like, so how, how can we be that example? It'll be information dense, but it'll also be hopeful and it'll be positive ways and tangible ways that caregivers can support families, whether they are asking this of you or whether you are wanting to bring this to the table. If you desire to be a food conscious support person for your family, whether it's they're asking or you have that desire so you can join me and hopefully all of my nanny friends and your nanny friends mostly because you've got more connections than I, but um, that they would join us on July 15th. It's a Saturday at 4 p.m. It'll be a live webinar that I'll also record that you can keep. Um, it's $79 for this, uh, for this audience. Um, it'll, it'll be live, like it'll be offered to the masses at $99. And then for the community aspect, cause I say my program is for families, caregivers, and communities. If you, the community aspect is to advocate like something I do is a, is a no candy in the classroom. So in October, because we all know that kids are just bombarded with candy in October and they can't help it. It's like, you know, you're going to get at that end of that night, but it seems like every, every step along the way for 31 days, they are just, so I, I do a no candy in the classroom where teachers, caregivers, coaches, uh, or teachers, coaches, youth leaders, whatever, whatever your classroom looks like, like you, you share it, you share things like that you're giving as rewards in lieu of candy, you know, and then the winner at the end of the month gets a $100 gift card to Amazon. So I've done that a couple of years. Um, so just different community advocating things. It's Organi Nanny on Instagram. Um, just like it sounds, Organi, O-R-G-A-N-N-Y, Nanny. It's, it rhymes, I guess, obviously, like organic, you know, kind of play on words there. But um, or, And I remember, you know, in 2017, I said to, to my boss, I said, you know, I want to do this Instagram page where it's Organi Nanny, you know, and she was like, okay. I was like, do you mind me posting your kids? No, she doesn't mind. Here we are, 2022 is when I finally got everything, got all my ducks in a row. You know, this hasn't, you know, this, and I remember having that conversation. We lived in Iowa, you know, we live in Tennessee now. It's been a long road, but you know, it was like, so not all of this has just been an overnight thing. Like there's just been lots of preparation, but so that is what it is. The Organi Nanny DM me a nanny's life um, for that uh, discount. I will send you the link and we will meet up uh, with some new faces and and some more faces on Saturday, July 15th at four o'clock. And continue to advocate for your kids in the spaces where they are fed. That sounds amazing. I hope everyone takes advantage of that um, and shows up. And again, thank you so much for um, reaching out and for having this conversation. I'm so excited to be connected with you, to be in community with you. Um, And we're going to keep this conversation going. (laughs) I hope so. And thank you again for providing this space and for being an open vessel to the other parts of, of, of a nanny's life, you know? Yeah. And so I appreciate you for that and keep up the good work. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, that's been another episode of a nanny's life podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope that you take care of yourself this week, as well as if not better than you take care of other people. This is See you.